0: We're about to move into storytelling and how that works in mixed realities and in augmented realities. And, um, and in the next couple of years, that's going to be where all these discussions move to. Welcome
1: to Careers in Fashion. Come to the days when just having a LinkedIn profile was enough. Today, everything you do online can have an impact on your career. So being strategic about the content you post means improving your chances to be seen and hopefully to be hired or grow your business. On today's podcast, our guests will share their, ex- their expertise to help you build up an online presence. I'm Mirella Barbosa. Enterprise Consultant at Graduate Futures, and I'm here with our co-host Andy Lee, who is subject leader in fashion film practice at LCF, and our guests, fashion designer Hannah Fiedler and Digital Marketing Manager Sonika Feiki. Hi, my name is Hannah.
2: First of all, thank you very much for having me today. It's a really a pleasure to be on here. Um, so, as you mentioned, I'm a fashion designer and I'm also the founder of my name's a label called Hannah Fiedler, which I started at the end of 2018.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Sonika. Thank you for having me as well on the podcast today. So, I'm digital marketing manager at the Digital Fairy, a social first creative agency in London. And we're lucky enough to collaborate with some of the most amazing fashion and beauty client, including people like Adidas, Converse, Estée Lauder, Dove, and Ariana Grande herself. So yeah, excited to to talk to you about storytelling and social media today.
1: Great. So let's start talking about your work and your approach to social media. So Hannah, should we start with you? Could you tell more about your company, uh, a little bit about your brand values and how have you translated them into your social media content, more specifically to Instagram? Sure. Um,
2: So I personally have a background in bespoke tailoring. Uh, Before studying at London College of Fashion, I did an apprenticeship as a women's bespoke tailor at the Berlin Opera House. And this really left quite a lasting impression on me um, as a designer, but also as a person. I was very lucky to not only be educated in contemporary tailoring, um, but also learn traditional techniques as well as costume making. And uh, when entering the realm of fashion, I felt that there was somewhat of a disconnect between craftsmanship and the artistic side of design, and creating a unison between art and craft and fashion became truly my passion and is also ultimately the notion on which my brand was built upon. So, translating that into our communication strategy. I really wanted to showcase the the beauty of the entire process of making a garment rather than focusing solely on the beauty of the final product itself. And I think this includes the making process from the first inspiration through to the design development process and the somewhat messy, you know, trial and error that happens in the twirling process and and how we choose materials so we really chose to showcase that on our social media platforms specifically and allow our clients to truly engage with the making process from start to finish and then additionally to that I also chose to tie together all visual content by framing my Instagram images with um, kind of sketchbook frames Um, so this is something I started doing as a student working on my portfolio Um, and i think it ties together nicely in a visual way very different looking content but also enhances the the idea of something that's a work in process and something that's never perfectly finished but it's really a human touch to the making process and
1: and how everything is designed really that's brilliant thank you speaking on social media that's your expertise right sonica so could yeah. you talk a little bit about your background and your role as digital marketing manager at Digital Ferry?
3: Yeah, of course. So um, I'm actually really happy to be talking to you guys from LCF today, um, because I actually fell into social media. Through my placement at London College Fashion, I was studying a course called International Fashion Management, which I think has actually changed a little bit now, but I was lucky enough to do a placement at Dr. Martin's, and um, I don't know why, but they let me run their Instagram account in the early days of social media, and I absolutely fell in love with the creativity and the fast-paced nature of digital marketing. Obviously that was quite a few years ago now and the landscape of social media and digital has changed dramatically and my career has kind of gone on the journey with that Um, and it's kind of landed me now at the Digital Fairy. So of course we're called the Digital Fairy, so digital and social media is at the heart of what we do and we offer all sorts of services to clients. So everything from running social media accounts to running advertising to creating the adverts and creating big campaigns, as well as um, producing strategy work and websites and things like that as well. So yeah, I would say my role is really um, varied. And social media is definitely much more than just Instagram. And my role definitely encompasses that. And performance and strategy is really important to what I do as well.
1: Okay, thank you. So, from what we are hearing here uh, i guess we can all agree that in order to create a consistent online presence you need to have a strategy and the most successful ones will have a clear storytelling element right so andy i'd like to turn to you now to hear your inputs on online presence on storytelling And particularly with the use of video in high demand on platforms like Instagram and TikTok, uh, how can we have, I would say, a strategic smarter use of social media in general?
0: Yeah, Um, it's interesting. I've been teaching uh, filmmaking one way or the other for 20 years, and I've passed through the moment of smartphones and social media and and so it's been that's where i I, i've sort of seen both sides and i'm not so old um and so i've seen both sides of these things and it's been absolutely fascinating to see how filmmaking in its broader sense was hugely democratized by uh, the combination of social media the internet social media and then the smartphone and so suddenly you have both the um the tool to make the product uh, the video and also to consume it. And that's sort of fascinating. Plus with social media, you had the ability to distribute it. Um, and now that upended the, what would normally have happened in this space is that people like uh, Sonica and Hannah, would have been having to go to, to have been making videos for anything at all, you'd have gone to a production company, you'd have worked with these people and that people, and that can still all happen. But the idea that you can create content um, from your from your hand um, has changed the way people both consume and think about uh, 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 producing work. And it's fascinating to see that there is almost a, um, it's becoming uh invisible, the skills become almost invisible skills. And so that when I look at my, uh, I've got a niece who's just turning 18, and her ability to, to stitch stories together and tell stories, both of her own life and her own businesses that she's starting up, it's just astonishing. And in the past would have taken kind of, you know, going to film school, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's fascinating. Um, I think that uh, in that democratisation, it also opens up more voices because the filmmaking industry historically was extremely. Hum- it took money and time to get into that business and to so that to create any visual storytelling and um, meant lots of equipment and to get into this industry that was very homogenous um and now that and very it was very male essentially and very white and increasingly now we we see the visual stories being told by much more diverse people and that means of course therefore we, we can communicate to a more diverse audience in successful ways so it's kind of good you know it's good for everybody um I think on top of that, Sonica was saying, you know, I got put in charge of DM's Insta. And it's because, of course, during these moments, big brands often won't know what to do with these new things. It's about to happen again. And it's this sudden moment where you can all of a sudden, with these kind of almost invisible skills that that we inherit, we can have an impact on the workplace, let alone in communicating our own ideas. So it's a fascinating moment. We're about to go through another one (laughs) Um, because we're about to move into storytelling and how that works in mixed realities and in augmented realities. And um, and in the next couple of years, that's going to be where all these discussions move to. So it's a fascinating time, and I think it's both telling the story of the brand in some ways looks back towards more traditional filmmaking skills, um, albeit translated to a smaller and more uh, sort of compact storytelling that you'll have on TikTok and, and Snapchat and whatnot. But um, it also is about telling the story of the the practitioner themselves, and that in in today's employment market the idea of telling your own story is very important. I think we're about to have a um, another change here when we start to move towards um, augmented uh, reality and mixed realities which is going to be sort of heads-up displays and that the the ability to tell visual stories in that space is going to be fascinating and, and interesting and I think uh, people that have been at the forefront of the the storytelling in this platforms are going to have a head start really on understanding how to work in this very very new realm as we go forward and sonica could you share some cases where video and storytelling has had an impact on a a client's campaign outcome
3: yeah for sure and totally agree with you first of all um When you're talking about how um, social media has democratised storytelling, um, I totally believe that everyone is a storyteller through the power of social media. Um, And it's such a key component to a successful digital campaign, whether that's for a client or for for yourself. Um, And in the work that I do, I guess my challenge is always translating the story of a collection, if it's fashion or a product, if it's beauty or something else, through social media in a way that connects with an audience and just before I break down some examples for you I think there's three elements of digital storytelling that are quite useful to have in mind for people um, when crafting content and stories. The first element being um, a real authenticity so making sure your stories have a human connection at the end of the day whilst you're posting stuff on social that screen is another person. So making sure your stories are both coming from a place of um, authenticity from your your brand or your story, but then also being designed to connect with somebody else. And then. The second element of storytelling, I would say, is making sure your content is fit for purpose. So this is when um, the kind of context of social media comes more into play. So making sure that your stories are right form. So this might be if you're telling a story on TikTok, for example, you've only got 15 seconds. So how are you going to get that across? Is it in in multiple TikToks or are you going to kind of cut out um, the key hook of your story into one piece of content? And then the third um, element of storytelling I would say is making great creative um, and by that making creative that looks beautiful if it needs to look beautiful or maybe it doesn't look beautiful um, because not everything on social media needs to be polished as well. Um, as long as it's attention grabbing is kind of the words that I tend to use because it's all about at the end of the day Standing out in the feed as well and making sure that you hook somebody in with your story. So, yeah, I can give an example of where these elements have been brought to life. Actually, I've got two examples. I've I've been lucky enough to work on some great projects. so It's always hard to to pull out one. I'll give you two. The first one is a recent campaign with Converse. So um, this is a good example of like a story being developed in a way. So they had a range called Twisted. Which was really cool. So it was all um, iconic converse silhouettes we imagined. And the sentiment or the campaign um, line and sentiment was basically twist what you know to create what you don't. And they came to us with the challenge of taking this quite um, niche and creative concept to a more commercial audience. So, in terms of storytelling for that, we actually. This actually goes with your point really of um, democratization of um social media really well. Um we worked with three influencers, and of course, influencers are the are the storytellers of, of the internet basically. Um they are experts in um in creating content that reflects them and their stories, um, and also they're experts in taking brands and re communicating them to their audiences. So, yeah, for Converse, we cast three completely different influencers and content creators to basically um bring them together and the narrative was to collaborate with each other to twist each other's style so it was a story of um collaboration to twist what you know to create what you don't so all about putting a spin on that original message for a more commercial audience and in terms of how we did that so it was real because it was a human connection from the influencers. it was fit for purpose because we um We made it for Instagram so it was a mixture of IGTV videos and then a mixture of carousels so the story was also told over time and over multiple posts Um, and then it was um, attention grabbing because we worked with some amazing creatives to tell the story in a way that visually was really stimulating it was a kind of collage effect video so it had lots of stuff going on and it had um, text in handwriting punched in as well so it was engaging to watch Um, and of course performance is really important and to myself as a digital marketing manager so I was happy to hear that the collection sold really well and the engagement rates um, on the office channels and converse um, was really good as well. So that's one example, and I'll just give a really short different example of storytelling for a client. I was lucky enough to work with ASOS on on their launch of um, a brand called Collusion um, which is basically a sub brand for Gen Z of ASOS. Um, and they again similar format. So a brand come to me with a product. So they had a collection called Everyone Together that was inspired by 90s rave culture. So cool, love the concept. So I was really excited to brainstorm what I could do with this. And I work with my team um, to come up with a campaign. Obviously, Gen Z, it's all about Instagram, TikTok. Um, so we wanted to do something innovative to tell the story of the collection through Instagram stories. So what we did here, and also if you can imagine, um, when you're launching a collection, you need to do a lookbook, you need to um support PR you need to use social so we had a bit of a mad idea to kill kill a few birds with one stone and actually do a live lookbook shoot so what this was is we knew we needed to shoot the lookbook anyway but we decided to turn that into our social media content by basically putting votes out as we were shooting on what people wanted to see in the final images so we basically It was all planned to the T, so not much could go wrong. But we put, use Instagram stories, put polls out. For example, this background, this shiny silver background or this rugged brick background, we would let our audience decide and then we would um, pull that into the image. And then we did elements of hair and makeup like this eye look or that hair look, let the audience decide. So they basically felt like they were creating the lookbook with us and of course the as the collection was called everyone together this basically used storytelling through social media to really bring to life what the collection was about and nailed the points that I was on about before so it was authentic because it was using you know what the collection's about um, and using that as the essence of the idea. It was fit for purpose because we were reaching our audience on Instagram stories and, and of course, making content for that platform. It was attention growing because, again, it looked really cool. Um, we did it in a big warehouse. and The content, um, I'm sure, is out there on YouTube. If you just search Collusion Everyone Together, we did it in a big warehouse and basically panned around the room as we went to the different sets and of course had some amazing models and uh, makeup artists and stylists and set as well making sure everything looked amazing so yeah two great examples hopefully that um, inspire you to start storytelling.
0: It's fantastic thank you I mean I think it's it's absolutely fascinating to me I don't want to hammer home the point but that you know it's only a few years ago that you know if we'd have been talking if I'd have been talking in kind of filmmaking circles about the type of filmmaking, the kind of video content you're talking about, then, you know, filmmakers would poo-poo it and see it as some kind of an amateur hour, mm-hmm. you know? And t- the way you've just described about how much time and effort and thought goes into, let alone the creativity of thinking across multiple channels of understanding which platforms to use and to kind of create the content that's both, some of it synchronous, some of it's uh, 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 non-synchronous. I mean, it's, it's an astonishing feat to get this stuff going. And it's, um, in some ways, and blows traditional film production techniques out of the water really in terms of the complications of it and especially considering you then pressurizing that content down to something very very small and it's in fact it's 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 easier to make long content than it is to make short content that is successful so that's it's fascinating i uh, just one more question then and, and then hannah I've got a few for you if you uh, if you don't mind um uh, sonica um there's so many platforms, you were mentioning them there, and they can change quite quickly. And um, I'm, you know, I like to pretend I'm on top of them half the time, but I'm well aware that very quickly, having spoken to someone anywhere near Gen Z, and I often will find things that I have no clue about. How do you advise clients about how to use or not use these kind of platforms wisely?
3: Yeah, I'm glad you said or oh, not use, because that is often the key. I'm not going to lie, it is incredibly overwhelming how many platforms there are now, how many different formats there are within the platforms. And then when you start to look at paid versus organic, you know, things spiral and and get quite um, big and overwhelming quite quickly. I'd say it's all about working within your means as well if you're running your social media for yourself or for your brand you have to choose platforms that come naturally to you and what you're about and most importantly if you're trying to sell something you're using platforms that are relevant to your consumer and you also don't want to I think A lot of the time I see um, small brands or individuals just trying to be everything to everyone and they're trying to keep up their Twitter, they're trying to keep up the LinkedIn and then they might get into this habit of just like scheduling the same posts across all platforms and then never really going back to them. That's probably the worst thing you could do. Um, You're much better off like sticking to one platform and then not just posting on that platform but being an active user of it because you can't forget that the Um, algorithms on most platforms reward you for being on the platforms themselves so um, I've definitely seen this with like TikTok as well the TikTok algorithm is is more mysterious than the Instagram one and I do believe like you need to be using the platform liking commenting on other people's content in order for your content to also do well so it's not sustainable to just like post one thing sporadically on on random platforms and and leave it so definitely do less but do it well
0: that's great thanks very much Hannah I'd like to bring you in if I can to share some of your brand storytelling strategy some of your storytelling can be seen in the sample box uh, you sent to the press at the last London Fashion Week uh, which certainly impressed Lisa Armstrong from the Daily Telegraph can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea of course,
2: yeah. I mean, I have to say I am so impressed with uh, Sonica's description that she just uh, did. Um, my head is spinning just thinking of organizing a lookbook shoot and then live streaming it as well as interacting on all these social platforms. So kudos to that. I think we're, we're certainly still learning a lot about this topic as well. Um, and, and as you brought up, our sample box is actually an example of quite I would say, a step back to more traditional media of communication. So our idea was really to bring the storytelling that I've spoken about briefly before into something that we can present at London Fashion Week. And the the original idea was to open up our studio um, for two weeks. After London Fashion Week, to not only allow media and um, our wholesale clients to see the new collection, but also um, our clients and an audience that's maybe an aspiring customer. And so the idea was to have an exhibition in our studio that tells the story of some of the key design pieces, um, really from the inception, maybe a little bit of a backstory through to the materials we chose for it and the development pros- progress. And as it became more and more clear that um, doing any physical appointments will be impossible due to the coronavirus um, restrictions, we then tried and and come up with an idea that allows us to still engage with our clients. And while we were really striving to have a a great digital platform to present everything on, we realized that in fashion, the, the physical product is still the one thing that's the most important. Um, You can reach so many people through social media and and, um, any digital platforms, but then having the feeling of the fabric and and getting a a true sense of the garment in 3D is is quite difficult to translate. And so we decided to go for a hybrid model of having a um, very clean and clear representation of our collection online with product images um, and of course, lookbook images. And then together with that, we sent out a box which contained um, swatches of all of the fabrics we were using and the storytelling that we had originally planned for the exhibition in our studio. So we included five key designs and a miniature mannequin that then came along with miniature twirls so that our clients could actually try and see the the garments, how they look in 3D. We um, added in the storytelling. So, for example, we had um, a coat in the collection that's called the Cristobal coat and the name is coming from the couturier Cristobal Balenciaga who inspired this design. I I visited the V&A exhibition uh, last year and saw the the great one-seam coat that Balenciaga uh, came up with, which is a design concept Um, that uses a rectangle of fabric that's slashed and folded around the body to create a very simplistic coat design. Um, And what really captivated me is the simplicity as well as the fact that it's a zero waste construction. And that was a story that was great to tell in in the box by having the miniature toile as well as a little draft of the pattern, how everything looks like, explaining the backstory of it, um, explaining where the inspiration is coming from, um, as well as then showcasing the fabric which is actually British alpaca that comes from a farm in Exmoor. Um, And so it it really allowed us to engage our audience with the collection on a much deeper level than we were otherwise ever um, able to, as well as bring them some joy into their homes. Because I I think we all felt a little bit isolated during lockdown um, and, and, you know, who gets something excited in the mail these days? So we we felt like we want to create a little bit of joy, um, allowing people to engage with our collection in in a more unconventional way um and also yeah truly truly translate what we are doing into something that's tangible for them
0: i think this is as well i think you are i think as i was saying earlier a bit about you know where we move into mixed realities and we moved into an augmented space and this kind of the, the the difference between the sort of digital and the social and the And the physical is going to get more and more blurred. So I think the more we understand crossing between all these things, it's going to be very important um, for future new storytellings in those spaces. You recently had a collaboration with uh, Moda Operandi and um, you've got a pop up, I believe, at, um, uh, at Harrods at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about how these projects unraveled?
2: Sure. So, uh, funnily enough, social media plays quite a big role in this because um, Moda Operandi. I've, I've been speaking to their team already since the very beginning of the brand, and that was thanks to Instagram. Um, so I, I did use Instagram as a communication tool, um, as basically the entire fashion industry is using this platform. I think it's it's really because it is so visual, one of the most used platforms in fashion, and um, knowing the the key buyers in in all of the the brands and and all of the the platforms that I was interested in, um, I started reaching out, and Lisa Eiken from mora Brandy was one of the first ones I messaged, and I sent. A short but to the point message included some visual references and images of, of my very first uh, collection and just asked for her feedback I would say and I was a little bit shocked to be fair to to receive a reply from her and then it was a constant matter of keeping her updated um, and uh, creating opportunities for, for me and Moral Prani to, to engage and um, I, I then saw them for the first time in person at London Fashion Week in September Um, 2019 and the the conversation kept going from there and I think most people know that some conversations need to mature for some time before um, an opportunity arises to then actually work together and we had our first collaboration in February um, 2020 where we were part of a sustainability trunk show which was an edit between different brands um, that all have a a sustainability uh, aspect in their brand strategy to then now having our first standalone trunk show with them in July, 2020. And here again, the the box that we had created was such a lovely thing Because um, the the buyer that we spoke to about the collection wasn't able to travel to Europe. So she she was in her apartment when we spoke to her in, in New York and she was able to engage with our collection and to understand the meaning behind it and the story behind it because we had posted her our box and actually unpacking it while we were speaking on a zoom call and it really gave her the ability to see some of the garments in your miniature 3d to help her understand better what's special about the designs and our designs often tend to be quite minimalistic, and that is something that I feel doesn't translate that well digitally in photos you, you sometimes just need to see the the 3d model of it and also feel the fabrics in order to understand why the garments are special And then with Harrods, it it was a similar scenario because even though the buyer was located in London, we were still in lockdown and it wasn't safe to do a a personal appointment. Um, And we were able to courier the box to her very last minute, just before our appointment. And it gave her the opportunity to get to know the brand, even though she had never seen us in person. And here we we had lots of Zoom calls and we were able then to courier her also our sample so she could then finally get also a feeling for the the physical garment itself and uh, I actually then only met her for the first time in person once uh, we, we were ready to set up the pop up. So I think while I am someone who appreciates the, the physical side of fashion and that's something we can lay aside. We always need the physical contact. The digital side was an immense help to to really reevaluate what's possible in, in a moment of, of a crisis and then still keep going and, and remain agile and flexible. And I think that was ultimately what helped us achieve all of these collaborations, because as a small team, we were able to shift quickly and change our strategy in a way that still communicated emotionally, as well as, you know, getting across the the more boring points that needed to be get across and then adapt and, and see what's possible and not dwell on what's not possible anymore.
1: Thank you so much. It's been so fascinating. My head is spinning here as well. I'm learning so many different things and it's so nice to hear how we can explore uh, different possibilities and how we can build up different outcomes as long as we are faithful to our values, your goals and your audience even if you are someone who is looking for a job or if you are a freelancer or someone who's uh, developing a business there's so many different avenues to pursue so i i'll say we are going through a very interesting time to be a creative in the fashion industry so We are getting at the end of our conversation, but before we wrap up, I'd like to ask Hannah and Sonica one last question. So speaking of how you can pursue different opportunities, being a freelance, setting up a business or applying for jobs, I'd like to hear your uh, advice on the massive change going on in the industry. So as virtual is taking a century role in our lives how do you think students and graduates can use online tools in their advantage so I think something that Sonica
2: said earlier is actually really important and it's the fact that you should always remember that there's another person at the end of the screen and I think especially social media allows us to talk in a more personal way than maybe you can do through email and I think it, it can be a great opportunity to reach out to people as, as I mentioned earlier in my case as well secondly while it is a very difficult place right now to, to find career opportunities or also set up a business that the benefit of it is that most people are at home so You might be able to reach someone who is usually incredibly busy doing meetings all day long. And the fact that they can't do that anymore right now might be why they have a little bit of time to help someone who is at the very start of their career. I think make sure you never underestimate also politeness and and kind of social media etiquette Um, I think sometimes because it is in the palm of our hands it seems like such a quick and easy solution to contact someone but I would say make always sure you you write a message that is as polite and personal yet professional as you would like to receive it yourself as well and I think then just as always, be authentic. Um, Instagram, for example, is a is a very, very great um, opportunity to also showcase your your visual work. So make sure um, it's representative of what we want people to see. If you do use it as a um, communication tool for professional matters, and follow the brands that you want to get a job in, for example, or the businesses that you're interested in, because I think that's the one thing I always check is if someone messages me and tells me, oh. I I love your brand I want to work with you but they don't actually follow me on that platform it doesn't seem as authentic and honest so make sure that the message you you are telling someone kind of is in check with with the actual reality of things
3: yeah I totally agree with all those points I think they're really good bits of advice and just to build on that I would definitely say um, network I know a lot of people say that but it's very true But I also think there is sometimes a bit of a pressure to have a strong public profile or, you know, to work in social media or to work in fashion. You must be influential on social media, but I don't actually think that's always the case. I think you can use social media more of a private way. So using DMs to to network with people, starting up conversations, if you put effort into that and build quality connections. Of course, we can't do it in real life at the moment, but turning um, digital connections into in real life connections when we can as well, they can be more valuable than having, you know, thousands of followers. Um, so yeah, that's one bit of advice. And then I would say in relevance to looking for jobs, definitely do your research uh, when reviewing applications or interviewing candidates. You can really easily see who's done their research and who's not. And it obviously like there's no excuse basically (laughs) because everybody's got access to Google and it's easy just to like spot a few bits of work that maybe a company or brand has done. Then I would also just say be a bit stalkery, um, not in a creepy way, um, but it is generally quite flattering, like connect with people um from your dream companies on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And as Hannah was saying, um, there is a bit of etiquette, like try and send people messages that are thoughtful and with intention. Don't just be like, hey, I like your brand. Can we go for a coffee? Maybe if you're a graduate, you could say, I've just done a dissertation on a topic that's relevant to you. Can I share my findings with you? Or I've just seen this campaign that you've done. I've got some ideas for it that could make it better. Like offer people something because of course, if you're talking to somebody very busy more senior they also need a bit of incentive and to give up their time for you as
1: well they're my bits of advice thank you I would say that the most important thing here is to be authentic set your goals and create a strategy but above all being authentic it does make a difference right yeah be you don't, don't try and do, be a different person online. <laughs> so, Andy, I'd like to bring you in to share some practical advice and tips about uh, using video, editing tools, and even setting up, for example, a background for a Zoom meeting or an interview, because this is also storytelling, right?
0: Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's the, the conversation about authenticity is really important. And I, I, it's fascinating if you think about the history of social media and the and, and kind of the modern internet, was that actually somehow everyone was faking it and that there, there was nothing real online and we were all faking it. And of course, actually, the ability to communicate so directly, as both Sonica and Hannah have said, with both. Uh, brands and individual human beings um, is astonishing and we carry around that mobility um, with us at all times and actually I think we see that actually authenticity is is more important um, and a certain individuality uh, which is the uh, the opposite of what everyone sort of said the internet was going to do to people and um, which I and I love how the kind of moral fear and the, oh my goodness me what's happening now it's a little bit like with you know A younger generation is either being told that they're lacking any attention span on one hand, but then in the next breath, they're accused of already, you know, sitting down and watching box sets all weekend. So it's I mean, I'm not quite sure which one it is, but I love it when there's a kind of moral outrage. And then five years later, it becomes the complete mainstream. And I think in the end, it's that a bit that communication and that connection is so important. But of course, when it comes to uh, producing visual stories there is an element of to be authentic and to communicate authentically does take some practice and because you know we're a, a lot of people are finding this during this period of time when all of a sudden we're spending a lot of time within a frame And people are probably spending more time looking at themselves inside a frame than ever before. And you're in a little cinema screen and people are becoming very aware of how do they compose themselves within the box and compose themselves either in terms of the way they're speaking or talking when they're in a Zoom call or 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 just the way they literally are the composition of their shots. It was interesting when Facebook started to sort of take off in its early days. The ability for people to take a selfie, so the self-portrait became something people got dab hands at. You don't see it so much anymore, but you did at the time. Everybody was at arm's length looking towards the, the cell phone camera. And that in itself became a style and almost a stereotype of a of a kind of look. Um and you see this happening all the time as we adjust to seeing ourselves and others within a certain frame. And so watching videos so watching content and uh, uh, is is probably i think the best way here because i think learning the, the 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 skills the production skills understanding the software comes when you actually have something to communicate and i think by absorbing and this is why i think there's a generation of of practitioners who are doing this somewhat innately and it's because it's not because they're doing it innately but they're actually making that they're doing that research I think, sonica you were talking about earlier there they're actually, you're actually researching by consuming this stuff. And there is no excuse, as you said, for for for, for not doing your research, um, but people are doing it without thinking every day. So watch a lot of content, consume a lot of content, think about the frame you're in, and remember that there is a film language associated with that rectangle, uh, uh, rectangular frame, whichever way the rectangle is up. Because again, only a few years ago, if we had talked about filmmaking happening in a portrait, in a vertical frame you know you were laughed out of the uh, conference and now of course we're totally accustomed to full length uh, portrait uh, vertical um, imagery but think about the frame think about your eye contact remembering to look at your webcam and not yourself in the in the on the um, on the screen which is easy to forget do think a little bit about light lighting you want authenticity but um, it's difficult to uh, you know put across authenticity if no one can see you so you know the usual little ring lights and things like that uh, uh, or even at a push just put your mobile flash on you know uh, um, uh, by the side of your computer and um, so do have a think about that and as you as you'd said Mirella you know there's the what you've got in the background does say a lot and it might say different things for different people and at different times So, you know, is it going to be a a plain background? Are you going to see part of your workspace or part of your home space? And that may change depending on who you're speaking to and what you're kind of um, what you're trying to put across. So playing around with things like uh, virtual webcam software and things like that, so you can play around with things in the background, I think is going to start to be a way of, of, of sort of drawing our personalities out in what can be quite stale spaces and that's for this kind of online discussion and and meetings and talking to one another and presentations and I think you know no one here or probably not many people listening necessarily need a lot of advice when it comes to the production of video in some ways because I think people are already probably listening to this on the production device as I said earlier but if you are interested in kind of taking the your mobile phone filmmaking experience to a bit of a higher level and things like um, filmic pro is a really great app uh, which is essentially used for most of the cinema work um, that is produced on uh, iphones and um, and that just gives you some manual control over what you're doing they the filmic pro also make a a fantastic camera app that's a sort of secondary camera app which records both lenses at the same time. And so you can create um, interviews, uh, record interviews or two way conversations in a really interesting dynamic way, which is fascinating. And also, you know, just the obvious things like iMovie um, and Final Cut Pro, if you get into that uh, into that space, and the myriad of apps. I mean, it's just fascinating every time I troll through apps uh, for putting films together um, on a phone. is astonishing. And um, but you know, you just think about there are times to think about traditional filmmaking techniques, and this and that that goes back to also going back and watching old school classic filmmaking or documentary making because the language we're using, people are using inherently now, uh, comes from a hundred years of watching cinema. So, I mean, I think that's really it really. And I, I mean, you know, Sonica and Hannah made these points better than I could ever do. Um, and it's about being human, being authentic, making connections and doing your research. That's the best advice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Angie. Your inputs are always, so helpful and so inspiring and thanks again Hannah and Sonica thank you so much you've shared so many insights I think anyone who is listening to this podcast will uh, log off with so many ideas so many things to uh, explore Uh, it's been truly amazing thank you so much